I think we're at the very early stages of some fairly dramatic changes in terms of how we operate our centers and lease our centers and interact with our customers. And the technology is going to allow us to do all of those things in a more efficient uh, way, but also in a much more productive way. Hello and welcome to The REIT Report. I'm your host, Sarah Borgson-Keto. Our focus today is on retail real estate and here to talk about the latest developments and emerging trends in this active segment of the REIT industry is Jeff Edison, Chairman and CEO of Phillips Edison & Company. Jeff, thanks for joining the podcast today. Well, thanks, Sarah, for having having me and look look forward to our discussion. So you just returned from NARIT's REIT Week conference in New York. Um, What were some of the recurring questions that you heard on the part of investors? You know, I I would say that the uh, most recurring theme was our business is in a really strong operating environment. And the questions really revolved around how long would that last and, and what was sort of out on the horizon in terms of the other issues that would, you know, would, would make the, the operating environment more difficult. Um, and as I think was sort of universal, you know, the, the, the questions really, a lot of them revolved around that and, uh, um, and what was going to happen uh, out there in the, in the future, given how strong the operating environment was currently. So what were some of the things that you were telling investors about the macroeconomic fundamentals and how you see them at this point? I think the focus that we had was on, you know, with the, the things that we look at very, you know, judiciously uh, to make sure that, you know, we're the, 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 our business is operating at, you know, at, 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 as well as it can. And if you, you sort of go through those, you know, certainly new leasing uh, rent, rent spreads, um, you know, we were in the... 34% range for the first quarter, which obviously is a huge number, uh, not not really probably long-term sustainable, but certainly where we are, we were in the first quarter and, and going into the uh, second quarter. The, the other is on your uh, renewals, like how, how strong is your renewal rate? And, and then also what kind of renewal spreads are you able to get? And we were in the 14 you know, percent range in the first quarter with strong uh, with a strong backlog going into the second quarter, so that that part was really strong. Um, we we our renewal rates were at ninety percent plus, which is is as good as it gets. Um, so that was um, that part was really uh, you know we felt really good about. And then you know as on the portfolio basis, you know looking at occupancy, and uh, you know we're we're at. Uh, you know, as strong occupancy numbers as we've been at, both on the uh, anchor side and on the small store leasing side. So, uh, you know, when you put all those together, um, it's a really strong operating environment. And uh, and that that answered the first part of the question. And then the second part of the question is, when is, when are, you know, increasing interest rates, uh, the inflationary pressures that are in, you know, being seen by the consumer, uh, the sort of wearing off of the PPP program and the other government support programs that were out there, like how is that going to affect uh, our, you know, your business, and when is that going to happen? And you know, we're we're not uh, prognosticators, uh, but we, you know, we look at it and we, I think, have a realistic view that there are going to be pressures on the consumer from those macro events, and a part of our conversation was. This 
this concept of there, there, there are a number of macro things going on right now that are have been very supportive of our business. And part of the reason we're you know the operating environment is as strong as it is. And it's you know, it's work from home. Um, you know, when you've got the the location that has the number one or two grocer in a predominantly suburban environment, um, working from home brings the customer closer to our centers more of the day. Um, you know, as, as you think about suburbanization, you know, again, that isn't uh, you know, bringing people closer to our to our shopping centers. Over half our portfolios in the uh, Sun Belt, so that you, you put that out that that those macro that macro trend. Buying local again, a, a very prominent um, uh, sort of part of the consumer's behavior. And so, when you take those sort of macro trends, the, the question is: Will the current trends that are that are on the horizon and not even on the horizon actually ha- you know happening as we speak today when you know how are those going to affect some of the longer term trends that we see as as happening in the market and these trends that you refer to in terms of leasing and renewals are they consistent across your portfolio in in all geographies where you're active generally i would say yes um the, the, there are certain differences at the margin um but as a whole we, you know we're seeing strong demand across the uh across the portfolio and, and as you know we're in 31 states so we're um we do have a pretty broad market that we that we address and how optimistic are you that pico will be able to find acquisitions in 2022 and into 23 and can you talk about the types of properties that you're most interested in? We had our IPO uh, in July of last year. Um, we exceeded our acquisition goals for the first year or, or through the end of, of, of last year. Um, we're ahead of plan, uh, which we told the market was we would buy between three and $400 million of net new acquisitions this year. So we're ahead of target on that um, and feel very comfortable we, we will get to uh, that range uh, on our acquisitions, so we, we feel really good about uh, this year. And uh, um, you know, next year, I think a lot of the question is going to revolve around the uh, you know what, what's happening um, in terms of the economy and how is the market reacting to that in terms of cap rate pressure and whether we can uh, you know whether prices are uh, you know coming down and cap rates are uh, are, are rising. Um, or, or whether they're, it's a more stable environment. And again, there's sort of some macro things happening there. There is a, a lot of capital that likes grocery anchor shopping centers. So that, uh, that, that's one side of it. And then the other side of it is, you know, the, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to have a, a less uh, robust operating environment. So how you, how you play those two uh, pieces against each other? And then, you know, sort of how is, you know, what's going to be the winner? And I, you know, I think our success on the acquisition side is something that you know, we we've had for a long time. I mean, we we've been a, a strong growth company for since we started the company, you know, almost thirty years ago. It's been an important part of what we do. And as a, a listed company, one one of the disciplines we we put in place was we went around the country. And we identified the centers that we thought would meet our acquisition criteria and that is the number one or two grocer in the market um, that they are they have the demographics that will make that grocer successful but also uh, make the small stores uh, successful and then that it was a right format center because we really do believe that format drives results and uh, you know that that 
center for us is 125 between 115 and 125,000 square feet, and uh, and then with a 50,000 square foot uh, grocery anchor. When we went through that process, we identified 5,800 shopping centers that met that criteria. And uh, when you think about 5,800, sometimes it seems like a big number, a small number, but but when you figure that uh, if 10% of that trades a year or, or they trade you know, every center trades every 10 years, in order to meet our $350 million number, you need to buy around 3% of what's on the market. So it, it, it's a huge market. It's a very fragmented business where there are a lot of different owners and, and no real concentration. And because of that, you know, we, we feel really good about meeting our, our acquisition targets. And Jeff, I wanted to ask you about the types of creativity and innovation that you're seeing from your tenants um, in response to the competitive environment we're seeing today. I, I consistently believe that the market underestimates the entrepreneurial strength of our of our, our retailers and uh, their ability to adapt to changing environments and to figure out how to be successful. And whether that's our national tenants with you know Chipotle and, and Starbucks uh, demanding uh, drive-through and, and access and and, and 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 convenience for that shopping experience, which is you know one one part of our, our customer base. Or whether it's the local mom and pop, which makes up about twenty five percent of our uh, ABR, and and um, their entrepreneurial ability to 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 realize where the market is and to basically do whatever they have to do to succeed. And uh, my, one of my favorite stories in the pandemic was I was in Sacramento looking at one of our projects, and uh, there was a Chinese restaurant that was had to hang on and they were, it was locally owned and they were, you know, they were running it and they had taken the front door and they cut it out and they had a delivery sort of uh, way that you could push the, the, the food through without having to anybody having to touch each other. And they had a special thing set up for, you know, so you could use your credit card and, and, and do that. But in addition to that, they had set up on the front uh, in front of their store about five or 10 uh, tables and a margarita machine. So they were selling their Chinese food with a margarita machine. And it was, it was one of those things. They never asked us for approval. They just did it because they had to, they had to survive. And I look at that as the kind of entrepreneurism that we saw across our portfolio, which was creative ways to survive in a really difficult Situation because I, in my mind, there's no more difficult situation to a retailer than having your, uh, you know, not not be able to open your store um, and being told you're not a necessity and and have and we, you know, their abilities to succeed through that is amazing and you know we we lost less than one percent of our occupancy during the entire pan- pandemic, which was market leading, but I I think is is an indication of how. Uh, entrepreneurial and how strong the retailers are in our grocery and shopping centers. Great. And finally, what would you point to as key developments to watch in the next two to three years in the retail real estate space? I think you're, you're going to have the noise of the recession and, and the issues that are going on around that. 
um, which will continue. In the, and I'm sure that that is what will get most of the press. From our perspective, the things that are changing the most is the amazing changes we're seeing to, uh, on a technology basis. And whether that's our retailers changing or whether that's us changing the way we operate our centers and the way we look at our at our business. I think we're at the very early stages of some fairly dramatic changes in terms of how we operate our centers and lease our centers and interact with our our customers and the technology is going to be allow us to do all of those things in a more efficient uh, way but also in a much more productive way so that we're we're actually getting more leases, higher occupancy and then creating greater customer service for our neighbors. As I think about it, that's my that, that's the piece that I think we'll we'll look back on and say, yeah, we had a recession, but look look at where that took the uh, the business from a, a technology basis over the last four or five years. So I you know I'm, I feel pretty strongly that that will be a big part of the conversation. Excellent, Jeff. Thank you so much. Well, it was, it was great to talk to you. Thanks for your time. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, get a chance to do this again. Exactly. And to our listeners, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe or leave a review on your favorite podcast platform.